Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, someone give the Lord a hand clap. He's awesome. Come on, verbally begin to thank Him. I thank you, Jesus. Your loving kindness, it's better than life. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, come on, let Israel say, let the people of God say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Amen. So excited to be with you all this week. On the way up here as I was driving with Hermano Flores, Brother Henry, we were just kind of talking and we were going through the change of uh, terrain. I felt a witness of the Holy Ghost and I've been filming since being here. I haven't been here very long, but I already know God's up to something and I want to figure out what it is. Amen. I want to find the will of God. I want to find the will of God. Siéntete por favor en la presencia de Dios, or you may be squatted in American. I want to say thank you. Anyone could accidentally be invited once, but thank you for allowing me to come back, and hopefully it wasn't like a double accident. But I give honor to everyone here today, our uh, former youth president, Brother Lopez, let's give him a hand. He's awesome. Children's ministry president. We give honor to President Strader. Amen. I like the sound of that. President Strader. I like that. And he invites someone that looks like an eighth grader. So I'm excited to preach with you all. God's going to do great things. Give uh, honor to all those here that are official, unofficial, superficial, uh, just give everyone respect. My hat's off to you. And man, is this not the, I mean, you all know this, but man, this is an awesome setup. I mean, how often do you have church outdoors, open air, no bugs, cool air? This is incredible or increíble. They're wonderful. We're going to turn in the word of the Lord. Go to the New Testament, El Libro de Hebreos, Book of Hebrews. Capitulo 10, por favor. I'm having fun. I think I told you last time I was here, I'm the kind of preacher you either hate or you despise. But I do have a word from the Lord. I do believe God is going to do some incredible things this week. And I come with expectation. I come with expectation. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read two verses. I want to help you find some things today. The... Uh, the story of a new preacher that moved into town and he's trying to find the post office and he couldn't find it on his GPS on his cell phone because he had Sprint. Someone that had Sprint said amen. I have Sprint. That's why I'm saying I'm kind of bitter about it. But anyways, he's trying to find the post office and he saw a little boy on his, his scooter and he asked the boy, hey, do you know where the post office is? And the boy said, yeah, just go a block this direction and turn left, and it's going to be right there. So the preacher was about to take off, and then he paused as the new preacher and wanted to invite someone to church. He said, hey, you should come to church. I'm the new pastor, and I can show you how to get to heaven. And the boy just looks at him and scratches his head. You want to show me how to get to heaven? You don't even know how to get to the post office. I want to help you find some things today. Some things we can find, some things we can't find. And we're going to read two verses here from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and then chapter 9. In verse 18 it says, 
now where remission of these is. Someone say remission. Where remission of these is. There is no more offering for sin. If you turn back to chapter 9 and verse 22, a familiar verse. Almost all things by the law purged with blood. Someone say blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I want to talk to you for just the next few moments to help you to find out where no remission is. There's some places you can look and you can find remission. There's other places you can begin to explore and investigate and you will find no remission. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for gathering us together. Lord, I don't know if there's anyone else traveling, but I pray you give them a safe journey, no accidents, no car troubles, no roadkill, no vehicle problems. But Lord, for those that are here right now, I pray, Jesus, as much as we are excited to see our friends, families, Lord, and people we haven't talked to in a while, I pray that we would give you our undivided attention for the next few moments. And someone say, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you want God's attention, how many want God's attention? You have to give him for the next few moments your attention. The key to God's attention is give him your undivided attention. If you're going to do that, then you can sit down. If you're not, just remain standing. Not just the sound people in the back don't want to. Just kidding. I don't play with the sound people because they absolutely destroy the preacher. They just make you sound like whatever. Everyone say where no remission is. If I seem like I'm tired, it's because I am. It's my second straight week of camp, and I get to go to Ghana next week. And I've been up since 3 in the morning, so party time, huh? And it's 11.20 or, I don't know, 10.20 back home, so I'm about to fall asleep. But God's going to do something so awesome, and I'm excited. Just kind of surveying the crowd, making sure everyone's awake. Got one guy drinking something there. Thumbs up if you're paying attention. Thumbs down if you're not. Okay, two people. All right. You all okay? Talking like you've never seen a four-foot-nothing preacher. Life-size bobblehead right here. Where no remission is. Now, the word remission and forgiveness, they're, they're uh, somewhat interchangeable. They're very similar. You know, forgiveness to, to pardon. But remission is like that, but like on steroids. Not only is it to pardon, but it is to absolutely remove any evidence of something. So we ask God to forgive us of our sins. God will pardon us. He will withhold that judgment. Anyone uh, have a Mexican mama? I'm praying for you because I do too. My mama's from Tijuana. She's one bad mama jamma. She knows how to throw down. I have done many sombrero dances. And uh, we had two categories of clothes. Play clothes and dress clothes. There was clothes you can play in and clothes you could not play in. And if I would get my clothes dirty that were dress clothes, I was in for some salsa picante. A key. And so sometimes I would try to be on my best behavior and respect the law of the land. But as I'd walk by, I see my friends playing football americano. That's American football for those who are still trying to pick up what I'm putting down. And so I would walk by and they say, hey, Mark, come play. And I'm like, no, I, I got my dress clothes on. Chicken, what? I, I, I can't, I'd whoop all y'all, you, you baby, what? And so I would throw my hat into the ring and I would run for 800 yards and score 29 touchdowns and I would win Waterboy of the Year. And so I would go home feeling pretty proud with Gatorade stains on me and, and uh, grass stains and all that kind of stuff. And, and also when I come home, 
I'm sneaking in because I know what's going to happen if mama sees me. And all of a sudden I hear, mijo. See? And all of a sudden it was, it was time. The wrath of mama was about to fall. And so I would begin to plead with Mama Bear and say, Mom, por favor, lo siento, lo siento. Oh, no, no, no. Please forgive me. And my, if I did it right, with just the right amount of tears and just the right amount of ugly face, my mom would hold back judgment for that moment. She'd forgive me. But I would still have the stains of my rebellion on me. She would have to take those sin-stained ropa and put it all up in that laundry mat and shout it out. So it is, when we ask God to forgive us, we deserve that whooping coming our way. But if we do it sincerely and we do it with fruit meat of repentance, God will withhold His judgment and give us a space of grace. But don't stop there. God wants to wash away the stains of our rebellion. That is what we would call remission. Someone say remission. Now, I don't do this very often, but I want to read something that I came across to you. And it's from a man named Eric Schmidt. Someone say Eric Schmidt. Does anyone know who he is? Does anyone know who Google is? Eric Schmidt. All right. There you go. Eric Schmidt. Google. He's like the big dog. And here is something that this man say, not a God-fearing apostolic man. Uh, he's got a completely different agenda than we have here tonight. But I want you to just hear something that he stated in an interview about this generation right here. Y'all ready to hear Google? All right, here we go. Here's what Eric Schmidt says. It must be peculiar for children of the Internet age. They are the first to have a complete record of their whole lives. They are the first who will be able to offer concrete proof of every one of their days, friends, and actions. Eric Schmidt worries, however. He states that this generation will be the first who will never be allowed to forget their mistakes. He said, there are situations in life that it's better they never happen. Especially if there's stuff you did when you were a teenager. And all the adults said, amen. He goes on to state this, that teenagers are now in an adult world online. Some days you can hardly describe most of what happens online as adult. Still, Eric Schmidt says he believes the online world has gone too far enforcing teens never to forget. In bygone times, he said they were punished, but allowed to grow beyond their youthful indiscretions. It's true that, as Schmidt said in his speech, people are now sharing too much. Here's an example that Eric Schmidt said. He says future parents posting ultrasounds of their unborn babies, TMI. Now, if you're here and you did that, and you're an adult, that's your prerogative, but you know, some things we don't need to see and we don't need to know. Like, I don't need to know how many boogers you picked. I don't need to see any pictures of them. There's just some things are T-M-I. Turn your neighbor and say T-M-I. If they don't know what it is, inform them. He goes on to say this. Part of the problem that teens are going to encounter in the future doesn't come from having made supposed mistakes. It's from those who might choose to judge them for those supposed mistakes. As ever in life, the opinions of others, especially in the sheep pen that is called the web, can be the most mistaken and most damaging distortion of all. What your generation can be noted as is screenagers. You're a bunch of screenagers is what you is. And so when we spend three to five hours a day on our devices, whether it is your, your phone, whether it is your tablet, whether it is a laptop, whether it is, uh, you know, a mega screen, whatever it is that you got, you are a screenager. In the old days, when it came to camp, you were like the bomb.com if you had a Kodak disposable camera. Uh, anyone know what that is? 
you was the bomb diggity, if it had a flashing light on it, you would wind that in. You know, it was inc- incredible. It was so awesome. Girls had big purses those days for all their disposable cameras. And so it w- it, you would get around this, this like point one no pixel camera and you would, God forbid you were short and you had arms like T-Rex like me, you couldn't do a, a selfie. And there was no selfie sticks those days. Imagine the horror. Imagine the persecution that we went through in our age and era. And so you would take these 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 paper cardboard box cameras, hold them out, and everyone smile. You take the picture together, and then after camp was, you didn't even know what the picture looked like. And so you would have to wait one to two to three weeks before you got your. You would have to take them to Walgreens and get them developed. I know this makes absolutely no sense to you. I promise I wouldn't preach Greek, but here I am doing it. This is what we went through. Trials and tribulations. It was a whole nother level. Jesus prophesied about it. We were persecuted. And so here we were. And sometimes you forget. It'd be a year later and you find the camera. And you'd actually get pretty excited because you're like, I wonder what, what's on this camera. And you would go, you take it, it get developed, you pay for it, you get the pictures back, and you look at your selfies and they're all messies. They did enough. Everything's blurry. It's nasty. The back cave hanging out your nose. You can't edit nothing. There's no filter. Nothing. You got to deal with what you've been given. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the 90s. In the old days, that's how we rolled at camp. Nowadays, you hear, you fulfill 1 Timothy 5.13. You fulfill Ecclesiastes 7.21. You don't know what it is. You can write those two verses down because I remember all of you committed last youth convention that you're going to start taking notes in church. Got them. 1 Timothy 5.13 says this, With all they learn, what are they learning? They learn to be Idle. What a learned trait to to, to gain in your life. I want to learn how to be lazy. And he says, you know how these people learn to be lazy? They go from house to house. Busybodies, gossipers, talking about things they ought not to talk about. That was a prophecy about social media. Did you know that? Man, what a miserable first night at camp. But it's all right, I, I'm, I'm disposable, and you got a great preacher behind me, so they'll take over. Okay, clean up aisle seven. And so he says that there are some people that learn. Now, he's talking back in that day, basically, people literally geographically pick up their body. They would walk a few kilometers, furlongs, whatever, and they would go from one house to another house just to talk about what's happening in the community, about people, about other ladies. And he says, this is not a good thing. But what do you think we do with social media and text messages? We are, man, we're all going to have to have surgery on our thumbs by the age of 31. I mean, there's a whole generation. Right now, this is the best time to study to be a thumb doctor. You are going to make big buco bucks just in a couple decades. There's going to be such arthritic thumbs unlike this world has ever seen. And so we think we're so productive. We've done so much sitting there just tapping this little mystical orb, this crystal ball. If an alien from outer space came and visited and went to the airport, and he would just kind of, what is this orb? What is this? What is this item? What is this thing? Productive doing things that really don't matter and doing things we ought not to do. Here's that other verse. If you missed it, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21 and 22, it states this. Take no heed unto all the words that are spoken about you. What do you think social media is? I wonder who liked my post today. I wonder what kind of reaction I got today. 
I wonder if I got retweeted today. I wonder if someone gave me a reaction today. I wonder if someone tagged me in a photo today. And then you checked it. You saw that you got one like from your grandma who you don't want following your social media. I'm walking in something deep right now. And then 30 seconds later, you check again just in case someone else. And then three minutes later, you went to read your Bible. You're like, oh, I got I just got to say, I wonder. I wa-. Busy bodies, house to house, wondering what people are saying. The Bible gives us a warning. Don't look into what people say about you because you'll find someone that says something about you you don't like. Read verse 22. There's people that will curse you. There's people that don't like you. And then you're going to get righteous indignation. You're going you're gonna to flip out on them. But you're forgetting all along you've done the same about someone else. It's, that's right. Read, read verse 22. It's right there in your Bible. Isn't the Bible amazing? It transcends all generations, all time periods. Now you're wondering, well, man, what? get up off my business. Get out of my Kool-Aid. Why are you talking about this? Didn't you already have your media kick last youth conventions and gave us a black eye? Yeah, but I'm here to get the other eye. I'm really not here with the bad attitude, I promise you. But I'm here to let you know I want to help you find something. I want you to find where no remission is. Eric Schmidt was very concerned about this digital age because this digital age is unlike any other age. For you are different than me. Though I may look like I'm in second grade, I am an old, crunchy man. I'm 34 years old. Twice some of your age. Crazy. Nuts. But there's some things, now Now, when, when online came out in my day, it was AOL, you get the CD, and like, you know, you get 40 hours for free. What am I going to do? Can I even use the internet for 40 hours? I could use that disc for like a month. You're like, some of you are like, I can do that in three days. It would, and then when you go online, to sneak online, I would have to go downstairs at the midnight hour. I'd get every pillow in its mother, and I have to cover this tower. Because I turn on the computer and go online. I'm telling you. You had to be super fly to get away with things in the 90s. It was a tough world to be evil back then. You okay? You're just staring at me. But I'm all right. People, you just stare at me in South Dakota. So here's the deal. Is that back then, even prior to that, my teenage years, there's a lot of things we do that are forgotten. No one even knows about them. I've made Anyone make a mistake and you absolutely regret it? Nobody? Okay. A couple, just, okay, a couple humans in the room and some angels all around hovering amongst us. Praise the Lord God Almighty. Now, here's the deal is that the difference that Eric Schmidt says when he was a child and when you right now are in your age is that everything we do is always with a device. It's always with the phone out, always capturing things, always recording things, always taking pictures, always posting them onto social media. And he gives great warning to that because the more we are involved in this digital world, the bigger our digital fingerprint, the harder it will be to erase things off of our past mistakes and regrets. When you take a picture that you never should have took and you may have deleted it off your phone, but that boy you sent it to, see, we think Snapchat's the greatest thing since sliced bread because, you know, we we can put something on Snapchat and it's just going to go away. I'm just going to help you out here. It doesn't go away. They, they, by law, archive every single thing you've ever done on your Snapchat account. Everything. Everything ever you have done. Even the posts you deleted before you even post them when you put them in a draft. Everything is archived. So one day it can and will be used against you in the court of law. Did you know that? Everything. There is nothing that we do under the sun this day. This is the perfect platform for the Antichrist to be near omniscient. 
Because through technology, he now can see at all times and all places and archive all memories. See, the devil is not omniscient. The devil is not omnipotent. The devil is not all-knowing. He doesn't see all, know all, not at all times, at all places. What a gentleman. Let's give her a little peasant. See, here's what happens. When we get online, when we get into the digital world, we let our guard, our guard down like this. Studies and research shows that when you are online, you are like a person that is intoxicated. You have just reversed your defense mechanism from being like at you know 80% on guard in public and physical terrain to being 20% on guard when you are online. Things you would never share with a stranger in public, you do online. Let me give you this example. I'm not endorsing this. I shared some of my testimony. I, I, I used to do things in the world, okay? Is that fair game? If I say something that sounds crazy, it's B.C., before Bible college. So, think, think, can, I, can I just, we're all grown-ups here, right? You're all adults ready to take on the world. No, no girl in her right mind walking downtown Phoenix through the stores will let some random stranger walk up to her, begin to dance and twerk and rub her up and down. No, nobody would do that in the right mind. But you change the environment and the scenery. You dim the lights. You have the strobes. You have the music. And a man she never met, a man she never talked to, is now all on her body in the club. It's the same thing in the digital world. Information, you never tell a complete stranger. But now you're just kind of searching and scrolling for people your age and people that look attractive. And you begin to just let your guard down to them. And we think, well, there's no consequence because I'm not physically there. And so if I don't want to, I could just shut this down. Let me give me another. You all okay? You all ready to fire me? Let me give you another example. When you walk into Walmart, you guys have those in Arizona? When you walk into Walmart, in your right mind, you wouldn't go and grab a stack of CDs, put them in your pocket or your purse, and just walk out of the store without paying. You know that's theft, and you know the risk involved. And so most of us would not do that, right? Amen, glory. But how many of us online have downloaded music without paying for it? Don't raise your hand. Did you know it's the same thing? But we're not afraid to do it. Because there's not a police officer right there that we see. You let your guard down in the invisible world, the digital world, all the time. But here's the deal. The consequences of the digital world is graver than the physical world. Because you can walk off with five CDs from Walmart and get a slap on the hand from the manager or maybe a small fine from a parole officer. But you do that in the digital world. It's a federal offense. Find up to $250,000 in years in prison. Now, I'm not here preaching about your downloading habits. But I'm trying to bring some points to you to understand that there's some things that we do in the digital world, in the media world, that you think there's no consequence, but the consequence is actually greater. You may not physically be there with that guy taking your shirt off, but you send a picture of that to him. I'm telling you, the consequence will be greater than just one man seeing it, for that man will screenshot it. He will record that. He will take it to the school. He will show... Every month, every year, there are suicides from cyberbullying. 
We go to the party and we let our guard down and all of a sudden we make a, a, a wrong choice. We make some sinful actions and then we try to make right with God on Sunday. And God does forgive us on Sunday. But listen to me, Monday is coming. And here's the world we live in right now that we've never lived in before. Every sin we do, the enemy has an archive of it. And it's getting harder to live a life of repentance when there's an archive of every sin you've committed. See, I'm here to pull off the, the lie, to the, the, the demask the devil, that this world is more kind, that this world is more accepting, that this more world is more tolerant, that this world is more forgiving. No, I'm telling you right now, you get one friend man on the wrong day, and they'll turn their back on you, and they'll use everything they have against you. I'll just take a little drink while you think. We okay at camp? See, we had we had um, these VHS camcorders. They're like bazookas. Get out of my day! I've got the bazooka. Back to the chimney. So, I would go to uh, I went to Florida one time. Wasn't going. Did I share a story with you about going to Florida before? Well. I'm going to share it anyways. So I went to Florida, and, and um, I didn't go there to hand out tracks. I'll just put it that way. And uh, we brought a camera, and we started recording all of our party scenes. We met up with some girls, and uh, we're wanting to go clubbing, all that kind of stuff, and, and do things that you're not supposed to do. Okay? And I was, I was, we had the camera and all that kind of stuff, and, and a storm front was moving in. And my friend and I, we wanted to, I don't know if is there water around here anywhere, you know, oceans, all that storm people, and so we we wanted to uh, fight the waves, these big old waves crashing in, and so we jump out there, and the waves would suck us under and and toss us around under the water, and there's seaweed and rocks and sand, it was just a mess. But we're having the time of our lives before we go out to the club, and all of a sudden, you know, I look at the time like, hey, maybe we gotta go, we gotta go, and my friend is frantically looking around the water. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I lost my glasses. Who wears their glasses in the ocean? Well, according to my calculations. Sorry, guys, I shouldn't have done that. Anyways, I'm not saying if you have glasses, you talk like that. But. My friend's looking for his glasses in the ocean. I'm like, you silly Billy. And he's like, you got to help me find my glasses. My parents are going to beat me. And they really would. I mean, they're like, they got rods and everything. It was, anyways. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm helping look for glasses in the ocean. Waves crashing on us. I grab, I grab my goggles, my, my snorkel goggles. I put them on, and I go underwater. Rocks and seaweed hit me in the face, and the undertow pulling me. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. I look like Nemo. This is the, and so I, I get spit back out. I'm like, all right, friend, we gotta go. He goes, no, 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 you gotta help. I said, we're gonna be late. I'm like, fine. And so, so I go to put my goggles back on. And I said, God, if you help me find these goggles. I won't go to the club, and I won't do something stupid this week. So I put the goggles on. God is my witness. I go under the water. A wave crashes, and the glasses hit me right in the goggles and land in my hand. I get out of the water. I'm just... my friend's still looking for his glasses. I'm just standing there. I don't know how long. I'm just standing there. Like, I can't believe what just happened. And, and my friend gets out of the water. He says, you okay? I'm like, I found your glasses. He goes, that's great. I'm like, yeah. And I walk back to my room and I made an altar and I made right with God. And I say that to say this. I made right with God and God forgave me. And I went home. I was a different person. I was excited. God was more real to me. And as I'm in my room, 
I don't remember what I was doing, but I hear a knock on the door. I'm like, yeah, ma. I found your video. Talking about where no remission is. Did God forgive me? Yes. But I dealt with the consequences. And we will deal with consequences of sin. God forbid any of you fornicate. You know, God told us in his word not to have sex before marriage. But if God forbids someone sin and do that, and you get a girl pregnant, there's a consequence to that kind of lifestyle. And God will forgive you, but you still have to deal with baby. It doesn't go away. But I'm here addressing specifically the digital world. Because God can't forget. What I'm trying to get you to do is put your guard up in the digital world. To begin to use some discernment. To begin to use some judicial estimation about your behavior in the digital world. Because God will forgive you, but the world will not forget. There's a great book in... uh, I would maybe get your pastor's permission to read it. It's my wife made me read. It. I wouldn't typically read this book, but it's by a lady named Kylie Bursuti Bursetti, and it's called "I'm No Angel." It's a it's a, a autobiography from a girl who her dream was to become a Victoria's Secret model, and she pursued her dream, and she became one of Victoria's Secret angels. And her story is about that process, and then also in that process, she converted to Christianity. She begins to kind of expose just the behind the scenes of what happens there. It's it's a crazy story, and uh, she talks about when she won the contest. It was a um, uh, a reality TV show she was a part of, and she won the contest. And to walk that catwalk for thirty seconds to show off the most beautiful woman that year, they spent eight to ten hours on her body, coloring it a different color ripping off her eyelashes, changing her hair tone, adding layers on her. Now she was good enough to represent Victoria's Secret. God forbid you boys talk about how hot the girls are in this world. We ought to respect the beauty of holiness and modesty. But here's the deal. This girl, she shared that when she when she converted to Christianity and she began to do talks, she did TED Talks and things like that, and began to talk about modesty and the difference about modest apparel versus immodest apparel and how the world perceives it. It's a fascinating thing. And anyways, she talks in her book that when she converted to Christianity and left the modeling agency, that people just scorned her and said she was a fool for forsaking her life dream. And when she did that, and she would give inspirational, motivational speaks to young girls about modesty and about presenting yourself, all of a sudden people would begin to Google her. And you know what would begin to pop up? Inappropriate images from illegal, illegal shoots that photographers took of her that were never supposed to go public. And she did everything within her legal ability to get them off. And she could win legal cases, but they were still permanently out there, never, ever to be 100% extracted from the Internet. This world will never let us forget I remember when there was an iOS change in, in iTunes and I, uh, and I changed my music habits because when I wanted to start living for God, I wanted to change what began to go in my ears because I know what went in my ears was going in my heart. I didn't want to be angry, so I stopped listening to angry music. I wanted to stop cussing, so I stopped listening to music about cussing. I wanted to stop being tempted about sexual immorality, so I stopped listening to love-making music. So I changed my diet, and we talked about that last time. You remember that? Has anyone actually changed your diet since youth convention? And so I did. I changed my diet. But all of a sudden, one of these iOS updates came, and, and I went to go listen to some music, and all of a sudden I'm like, what in the world? Skittles, or I mean Eminem, what, 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 why is he? How's he up on my phone? And all of a sudden, every past song I ever downloaded resurfaced. Because Apple, without telling me, 
archived every download I've ever made. Everything you do has a thumbprint in the digital world. It's time that we begin to put our guard up because this world is merciless and this world is out to archive every mistake, every wrong decision you make, every sin you make, everything that you do that is contrary to the word of God. We not only need to be presentable in person, in public, but we need to be presentable in the secret of our homes. We need to be safe in our homes, in our bedroom, with our laptop. We got to begin to make some conscious decisions. Look, I've been called out from among them, not just in the literal world, but in the digital world for as I think in my heart so am I was a store manager for Starbucks we would pre-screen people look at their so for Starbucks pre-screen somebody's social media account you want you want to be successful in the secular world you better take care of the digital world everything is being looked at these days. Nothing is ever gone. I believe the book of Numbers chapter 32 and 23 applies today. Be sure of this. Your sin, more now than ever, is going to find you out. Things that used to be swept under the rug that nobody knew about but you and God. Now it's God in the world and the God of this world has a hold of it and he's going to put it on that projector screen and why you are trying to pursue ministry. All of a sudden a sinful decision you made five years ago resurfaced and the district board has to talk to you. See, I'm not talking to kids. I'm talking to pastors. I'm talking to missionaries. I'm talking to a generation that has been called to the ends of this world. And we got to have our guard up now more than we ever have. We got to come out from among them and be separate. I wish somebody would praise God with their voice right now. See, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said this. This generation doesn't lack passion. It lacks temperance and restraint. You don't like lack passion. You guys have a reservoir of passion and energy and dreams and visions. But it's time you begin to exercise restraint and temperance. Because that same passion that you have in praise in the house of God is the same passion you use in the digital world. And there's a lot of passionate things you could do in the digital world that are contrary to Scripture. And the devil wants us to be envious of this world, thinking, well... The church, all it does is judge me. And our, def- you know, our, our go-to scripture, Jesus said, judge not. Well, first, if you could tell me where it's at, I might listen to you. You tell me where it's at, I might listen to you. And you quote the rest of that, and I might listen to you. Jesus wasn't saying, don't judge. He was saying, don't judge incorrectly. Judging people with a big old stick in your eye saying, oh, you're such, you're, you're, you're such a, a hateful person. And you got this big stick in your eye. And they got this, the person you're talking to is this little dot. You know what? I, you know that judging is one of the nine gifts of the spirit? The gift of discernment, you go ahead and do a word study. That, the word discernment is to judge. It's judicial estimation. And then when the gifts operate, the church is to judge it, whether it's of God or not of God. I would rather be judged on this side of eternity by the church than be judged on the wrong side of eternity when it's too late. I want my preacher to tell me like it is. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what I need to clean up. So, y'all okay? I, I promise you, I'm here with a, a loving spirit. And this world wants you to think, well, the, the, the church is such a judging place and they're a bunch of hypocrites. Look, I don't need the church because it's perfect. I need it because I'm not. I'm a part of the church because I need help. Now, the church, yes, they may call some things out, but I want those things called out. I want to work on that which needs work. 
And the, the, the world acts like it's so graceful and so generous and so forgiving. But it will chew you up and spit you out the day you offend them or the day you run out of money and the day you stop looking pretty and the day you have a car wreck and your face is scarred, the day you lose some part of your body or now you're an amputee. They'll turn so fast on you. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. We ought not to be jealous of this world. We ought to live a life where this world is jealous of us, and desirous of us, and curious about us. Saying, man, what a great place. There's a love that's in that church that's not in this world. There's a love in that music that's not in my music. There's a love in that conversation that's not in... This world, there is no remission. I'm helping you find something right now. I want you to find and discover that you will never find remission in this world. This world cannot wash away your sins. This world cannot let you forget your sins. They will, you know, the presidential election, I'm not going to preach politics, but you know what it is or was and will always be is people pulling up people's past and using it against them. You know, the Clintons. And the Trumps were friends. Look how fast they turned on each other. I'm not, I'm not preaching one for the other. Do you understand me? I'm not preaching red or blue because now we got orange. I can neither confirm nor deny. But check this out. All they did was keep pulling up past archives and clips and docs. Look, your tweet, your post actually can be more easily analyzed and used against you than just a mere word that no one recorded and someone as a witness says this is what they heard you say. There's power in everything we do in the digital world and this world will never let you forget. And this is the burden that I feel in my heart right now for this generation. Listen to me, ladies, never ever, don't ever do, please look at me right now, don't you ever send a picture to any boy, don't show any immodest part of your body, no boy needs to even see what your bedroom looks like I don't care if it's an innocent, modest picture, they don't need to know what your bed looks like, they don't need to know what your closet looks I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Listen to me. You're not your own. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Glorify God in your body. And boys, back up off these girls. They are not yours. They are God's property. You didn't bleed for them. You didn't die for them. You didn't give your life for them. Good, listen to me. I don't care if you're 12 years old, 15 year old, 17 year old, 99.9%, 110% of time, that boy you're dating right now is not going to be the one you marry. 12 years old. You're ready to make out and give yourself to some 12 year old? The boy doesn't even know how to change his underwear. He never even mowed a lawn in his life. That ain't a man, it's a little boy. Oh, man, I don't know what's coming over me right now. Maybe it's because I got two daughters. Ah, can we lift our hands? I'm just, I'm going to hurry up. Let's lift our hands. I come against the spirit of opposition. Every spirit of flesh that would rise up and resist. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Roll back the roof of this building. Open up the windows of heaven. Fixate a ladder between heaven and earth. And let the divine ascend and descend upon this campground. Someone shout in Jesus' name. They will use it against you. All, there ain't a boy in this room that you should allow to touch you. All they're going to do is run and tell their boys and treat you like a trophy and a piece of meat. And then when someone prettier than you, and then when you're tired, they're going to move on. They're going to cheat on you. Don't, their guys are filthy. I'm not preaching theory. I'm preaching experience. I'm talking about a world where there's no remission. Don't send any pictures. Don't say, don't send, don't just text anything. Because I'm telling you, screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. It's a whole nother 
system that the schools have to function and operate with right now because they're dealing. We have a girl in our youth group right now. She's 13 years old and the pictures that she has received from multiple boys and this is a girl that we just taken guardianship over and the abuse that she's taken and we got to go to the school principal and we have to go to the authorities. Listen to me. You might be 13 years old but that's going to be held against you one day. You better not show and talk about things you ought not to talk I'm going to move on from this because I'm going to get to my point. This world, there's no remission. They won't let you forget. Listen to me. Keep your guard up. Make your, you got to be diligent as we talked about Peter, 2 Peter 1.10, last youth convention. You got to be diligent to make your calling and election sure. God called you. That doesn't mean you have the right to be lazy and think God is entitled to give you that calling. You got to be diligent to guard it and protect it. You found the pearl of great price. You found the treasure in the field. If you have came to a youth camp and you've been to this altar and you felt the Holy Ghost called you to be a missionary, you start better living like a missionary right now. Start living pure right now. Don't think about being pure when you're on the field. Don't think about being pure when you're in the pulpit be pure right now this is the hour this is the time to be pure this is the time to be holy this is the time I'm helping you find out there's no remission in this world but see as it says in 1 Peter 1.13 there is grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ Oh, there is grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For the revelation of Jesus Christ in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, this is my blood that is shed for you. It is the New Testament. And this New Testament blood, he said in verse 28, is for the remission of sins. Jesus was a poor boy, born in a poor family. His mom and dad could only sacrifice a bird on that altar. They were so poor. He grew up and never owned a piece of property. That's how poor Jesus Jesus was. Jesus was so poor that he had to borrow people's boats to travel. Jesus was so poor that he had to borrow a little boy's lunch to feed other people. Jesus was so poor that he had to borrow someone else's donkey the last week of his life as he entered into Jerusalem. Jesus was so poor that he had to borrow someone else's room to eat his last meal with folks. Jesus was so poor upon his death he had to borrow someone else's tomb. But when it came to your soul salvation, Jesus didn't put it on credit. Jesus didn't take out alone the bible says in acts 20 28 this is the church of god which he has purchased with his own blood the grace is brought to us at the revelation of jesus christ to wit that god was in christ reconciling the world Colossians 2.9 For the fullness of the Godhead dwell in him bodily. 1 Timothy 3.16 Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifests in the flesh. Spirits don't bleed. That's how God purchased the blood. His almightiness was put in the flesh and God died for our sins. There's grace brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, my blood shed for you is the New Testament remission of sins. It was a prophecy fulfillment from Leviticus 17.11 that there is an atonement for our souls by the life of the flesh, which is the blood. He says, I've given you a blood to make an atonement. You know what the word atonement means? We just sang the word. Cover me. Cover me. You want peace from God to cover you? You need the atonement, which is the covering. And you know what the covering is? The blood. The blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. See, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day because the blood is mercy new every morning. I can wake up get the blood. Exodus 12, 13. There was a death angel that was coming. 
Say, I'm not going to let you forget. I'm not going to let you forget you're the firstborn. I'm not going to let you forget your sinful ways. But when that death angel would march down that camp in that city of the Egyptians and the Israelites, that death angel would say, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Those three posts of the door that when you got the blood of repentance and the blood of Jesus' name and baptism and the blood that will access the Holy Ghost, when you got the blood covering the post of your soul, that that blood lets that death angel pass over. Oh, I wish someone would lift their hands. I wish someone would lift their voice. Recondara, recarara, recondara, leandarabaha. There's grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices. Lift your voices. Come on, church. Ha <laughs> For as much that you know not, you aren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The only way we're going to overcome this world and our adversary is we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission Baptism is a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Baptism is a revelation that when I call on the name of Jesus, I'm calling on Jehovah has become my salvation. What are you waiting for? That preacher said in Acts 22, 16, why tarry thou? Arise, wash away your sins in baptism. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. See here, you, you, all, you, you can sit down if you want, if you can stand if you want, but I'm just about done. See, baptism is so powerful. I know the world won't let you forget, but you got to remember what happened when you were baptized in Jesus' name. When you were baptized in Jesus' name. See, we were brought out of Egypt by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. We were enslaved to our sins and to bondage, and God miraculously pulled us out of there. But as they were pulled out of the world, they were led to a body of water. And you know what showed up at that body of water? They could hear their past coming after them. See, God wants you to go through that water. And they went through that water, and when they got out on the other side, their past went into water with them. But see, the water fell on their past, and that past never resurfaced from them. The only thing that happened is if, God forbid, you let Egypt stay in your heart. You archive it. Don't archive Egypt in your heart. Get Egypt out of your heart. Don't. And when Moses built that temple, that tabernacle in the wilderness, there was the altar of sacrifice. But after that bloody sacrifice, after that repentance, they would come to the brazen laver, as it says in the book of Exodus chapter 38. And all of a sudden, that water, that brazen laver, it says that it was made out of mirrors. So when that priest looked into that brazen laver, that body of water, he saw his reflection. He was reminded of all his imperfections. But when he would take his hands and wash in the brazen laver, he now would see his reflection through the blood. You want to talk about the best Instagram filter you possibly can have is to see your image through the blood of Jesus Christ at the brazen labor of baptism. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, God washes away all of our sins. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, he says, your sins, I remember. We know where no remission is, but I want you to find remission. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is for the washing away of your sins. And if you're here and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be reminded. I know you have some regrets, but you need to be reminded that there's remission in the blood of Jesus. I take us back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 16 through 18, as we stand together. This is the covenant I would make with them, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts, and in minds will I write them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Don't be like Pilate. You know what Pilate did? He says, bring me a basin. 
and wash his hands free of the blood of Jesus. You wash the responsibility of the blood of Jesus off your hands. You've removed the blood of Jesus from being able to cover your heart. To ever access grace, you've got to accept the guilt that you are responsible for crucifying Jesus. It's your fault. How do you like that? It's your fault Jesus was killed. Your fault. How do you like to carry that weight? It's your fault that killed Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world. It's your fault. If you're not willing to accept that guilt, you can never get access to that grace. Pilate washed his hands of the blood, but I put my hands and say, the blood's on my hands. And I want that blood on my heart. I want to remember that it's because of me he died. Because if it's not if it's not because of you that he died, then you can't access what that death does. <laughs> I want every hand lifted up right now. Come on, somebody realize it's our fault. It's our fault. I nailed him there. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. It's my fault. Jesus, I'm responsible. My sins, my contrary nature, I take responsibility, Jesus. But I don't want the blood just on my hands. I want the blood on my heart. I don't want just the blood on my hands. I want the blood to make an atonement for my soul. God, I don't want just the blood on my hands. I want the blood to be applied in baptism in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You want to know how fast forgiveness works? Forgiveness has been clocked at the speed of confession. That's how fast it is. Remission is clocked at the moment of baptism in Jesus' name. And if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you sin, you don't need to be rebaptized. The Bible says that this, the imagery is like Noah's Ark. God only set the flood once to the earth. You don't need to be baptized once, right, correctly. But if you make a sin after that, I'm here to let you know you don't need to be rebaptized. You need to repent. And the moment you repent and confess, you got access to remission all over again. But if you're here and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I don't know if we baptize here at this camp or if we need to baptize back home with your pastor, you need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. Because if you're old enough to take on the responsibility of your sin crucifying Jesus, you're old enough to take on the name of Jesus. If you're old enough to sin, you're old enough to repent. You're old enough to repent. You're old enough to, to have your sins remitted. But here, as it says in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes shall have mercy. You will not. You, will, you want to know where remission is and where remission is not? There's no remission in trying to cover up. The only remission you'll find is if you're covered with the blood. If I'm talking to you right now, I want you to come stand at this altar. If I'm talking to you right now, I want you to get as close as you can. I know this is a small front area. The Holy Ghost is thick in this room. God's reaching for you. My heart literally is heavy. This whole message I could have just focused on your youthful indiscretions. Because I tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost as I was talking about all those things that we've done on the internet. This room is full of it. It is. I don't say that in a judgmental, condescending tone. I came here to give you hope that if you have showed your body through a text message, here's what I want you to be ready for. Jesus is ready to pardon your sins. But you be ready for the onslaught. This is what 
right, I want everyone to listen to me. I want you to listen. Because what's about to happen here is going to be powerful. God is going to forgive you of all your sins. But you got to be ready. And this is where you got to let fact trump feeling. Because when someone resurfaces that photo of you and that video of you, you're going to have a flood of feeling come over you. Shame and embarrassment. But you got to stand on the word of God and say, I know what that video is. And I know that's my past. But I have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. You may feel the sting of that video, but you got to stand on the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Don't bring my past up because I left my past back under the waters. I left my past under that river. God has forgiven me and he does not remember. If you're ready to be forgiven, I want you to lift your hands right now. Don't cover up and don't try to look pretty right now. Right now, you need to let your hair down. You need to let those tears fall. You need me to confess your sins to Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this. God is forgiving you right now. Come on, forgiveness works at the speed of confession. Don't keep your mouth closed. You need to open your mouth. You have to vocally begin to confess your sin to Jesus Christ right now. Some of you still have your mouth closed. You can't meditate right now. You have to confess right now. You have to, don't look around. Don't look around. Confess your sins. Jesus has forgiven you that pornography addiction. Jesus has forgiven you of sharing that photo. Jesus has forgiven you of stealing. Jesus has forgiven you. Yes, there's a video of you drinking. Yes, there's a video of you smoking marijuana. But Jesus is forgiving somebody right now. Right now. Right now. Come on, there ought to be a travail.